fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Pile Everybody and welcome to Fantasy Fullback Guide, brought to you by the good people at the Rotor Street Journal, paving your way to fantasy glory, paving your way to fantasy excellence, acting as your lead blocker to fantasy uh, championships and trophies and all that, that good stuff. I am your host, Now the Truth Jones, with me as always, the Wolf of Rotor Street himself, and we're paving your way to all that good stuff, even though it's early February, and the Super Bowl hasn't even happened yet. That, that's how much we give a shit. <laughs> exactly. Psychos, indeed. Uh, and we're trying to brainstorm. Like, what do we talk about? We want to see the people. We want to go live. We want to just try to keep it consistent. Again, every Thursday, 7 p.m. What can we talk But, of course, like these days, the coaching carousel. That's kind of what's spinning around. And so we'll be doing a little bit of a series on that. Now, next week, of course, we'll we'll do our usual prop bets uh, extravaganza. Yeah. You know our man CJ will be joining for that. Be a good time, indeed. But let's start breaking down these coaches. Every year, it's one of the most overlooked factors to fantasy success. I know there's definitely trains of thought out there like coaching doesn't matter. You know, it has no impact on the game. And I just never have understood those people. Like it's tons of impact on the game. (laughs) Of course, coaching impacts people. Like, you know, you look at Sean McVay, just when he first started with the Rams, they went from a bottom three offense to the number one scoring offense. We saw Todd Gurley become an MVP under him. And and last year, yes, the, the coaching crop really didn't have too big of an impact. We also didn't really do too many shows on it because it was, Pretty clear none of these coaches were going to do anything too wild with their teams, and they sure did uh, prove that right. But this year there are some really intriguing names, and we're going to start with the guys we think could make the biggest impact. Uh, just to preview that, Brian Dable, after what he's been doing with the, the Bills and going now to the Giants, what he could do for that franchise. And we'll talk about Hackett after his time with the Packers and what he could be bringing to the Broncos. And I really think this guy going to the Bears, that's the next one we'll talk about. Just those three tonight, obviously we can't do a – cram like eight of these coaches into one hour you guys will fall asleep or uh just we'd be talking about it for too too long so we'll only do three at the time we'll also hit at the end here how we're how we're killing some time now in the offseason that might be a a regular segment we do each week is what's the latest way we're killing time looks like we've already got some hellos in the comments though we already got some thumbs up so greatly appreciated from our regulars still just tuning in and it's it's good to see who's going to show up and they're here. There's some of them are here already. So we love that. It does help us continue to grow Wolfpack if you enjoy the content to hit that subs up. Now we got over 2K officials. What? Over you think we'll stay there? Hell yeah. No, you guys better not leave us at this point. I think we're going to backslide. Upward and onward only at this point on. So thank you guys so much. So pumped to that. Cheers to you guys. And if you yep. haven't already and you enjoy the content as you watch it here, uh, please do consider that thumbs up as we go live again every Thursday. So you know what when we're there. We'll answer all your questions, dynasty, all that good stuff. So cheers. I, I feel like, yeah, cheers is right. I feel like before we get into the coaching carousel, well, like we said, we're going to briefly hit three guys. Uh, it's not going to be a super long podcast, but we think we'll keep it pretty entertaining. But there was one uh, pretty big piece of news that came uh, around uh, weekend early this week. And that is the, you know, I don't want to say like abrupt retiring because there's nothing abrupt about a guy retiring when he plays for like 22 years or however many years he played for. But, you know, people started talking about the possibility that Brady was going to retire after 
the Bucks lost to the Rams in a, in a game they very easily could have won. Um, and, you know, it's funny because going into that game, I had not really thought about it very much. Uh, he had started to seem just kind of inevitable kind of to me, like he was just going to, why stop? I mean, did you see the season the guy had? He, he did really, really well. It was not like, oh, man, he got old overnight. He's too I mean, he obviously could still play football if he wants to. But he has hung it up. I want to know your quick thoughts on this. And I want to know, um, you know, just in a word, is he really done? What do you think? I, I do think, yes, he's really done. Brady's not the type I don't imagine to be floating in and out and needing the media spotlight and all that. In fact, he was pretty pissed at leaked to then take the spotlight away from championship weekend. He tried to say, oh, no, this isn't going on. Like, let's you know, backtrack. And then eventually did ultimately retire. Obviously, Patriots fan, you die hard. This is the guy I've been growing up watching my whole life. Like, it's just surreal. I don't know if he'll even officially sink in until we actually see him off. Like, week one hits and there's no Tom Brady on the field. That's when I think it's really going to hit. But there's no argument, in my opinion, who the GOAT is. Like, he is the unquestioned First in nearly every statistical category. We don't need to rally them off where you've probably already seen or heard them all at this point, but certainly most decorated playoff uh, record. I think he's like tripled next closest and wins something of that nature. It's just insane. Well, this it's guy not far it from that. I mean, he, I think he ended with 35 playoff wins, which is. Yeah. Just uh, incredible. Impressive. Incredible. Um, yeah. I mean, he's, done, so. I'm not going to argue that you can't make a cohesive argument about him being the GOAT. Uh, as far as quarterback goes, you can look and say, I think this guy or this guy is more talented. You can make that argument, but you can't argue that he's the GOAT. You just, there's just no, there's no logical argument to it. So, uh, I mean, he's just, he's lapped the field pretty much at least once. Yeah. I heard somebody yeah, make an argument that he's basically had three different Hall of Fame careers. Uh, it's, it's awesome. I, legitimately three. Go out leading the league in passing yardage passing touchdowns like just going out on top other than I guess you know a Super Bowl would of course been officially going out on top but he just had one last year I he mean, has seven he's got so many uh he's got nothing left to prove so I get it it's his time and I don't think given all the family comments he's making I don't think he's coming back so you know I'll, I'll take a nice swig here for Tommy but I'm gonna say something I'm gonna say something about Brady and I don't know how this will land with you when we talked about earlier, we're about to talk about coaches and people say, oh, coaches doesn't matter. Brady is an, um, obviously a great quarterback, a really driven guy. Like, I mean, I often wonder what would have happened if he had gone somewhere else? Like, you know, as say like a fourth round draft pick or a fifth round draft pick to another team. When you get drafted fourth or fifth round, like you're not expected to necessarily be the guy. And I just wonder what would have happened to him. You know, I mean, he's an example of somebody this takes nothing away from his greatness. He's somebody that coaching helped immensely. I mean, Bill Belichick is just like you said, Brady's the greatest quarterback ever. I'm I'm very convinced Belichick's the best coach ever. And, you know, I, I don't feel that way about Bruce Arians, by the way. I think that by the time Brady went to Tampa Bay, he was a different thing and, you know, it kind of risen to that next just level of, I don't know, consciousness or whatever it is that he didn't need the greatest coach in the history of football anymore. But Brady is a guy, you know, he goes somewhere else. His career could have been totally different. He could have been insignificant. People get swallowed up in this league because they end up in a bad situation or playing for a coach that, that doesn't click for them. That didn't happen for him. And he exceeded all expectations times like a hundred. So Absolutely. Uh, and I, did. Up to him. And I mean, I, I didn't pull for the guy really in his career. I'll miss him. Definitely. 
A hundred percent. I think we all will. Everybody that even rooted against Tom, it's like, all right, we we're gonna all miss him and, and the greatness that we saw. Uh, and I think it is just so it's you know it sounds crazy to call him inspirational in a way, but yeah, I mean, going in as the the 199th pick and doing what he did was insane. It is a great question. What if he did the the 200th pick and he was on a different team? Would he have risen to the top? I imagine eventually at some point he yeah, may. He wouldn't, well, he wouldn't have been impact. right. He wouldn't have like, been this though. No, the immediacy and, and especially, you know, where it developed. And I guess that's the one thing that's negative to me. And it's really pissed me off, to be honest, this week is he writes this whole six page Instagram post and doesn't like, even mention New England once. No Belichick, no Kraft, and especially not even the fans. What the fuck was that? Like, I, I can't sit here and say I'll never, you know, I, I, it tarnishes his legacy. Or anything. And he kind of does in a way. They're like, what? What? Why are you the first people you think are the Bucks and the Glazers and Arians? Like to me, it was clearly calculated. I don't know why. Everything he does is calculated, right? It's not. (laughs) What? what, Eventually, like get the fuck over the bad ending. It wasn't even that ugly of a divorce. I don't know. That pissed me off pretty significantly. How uh, petty that type of exit was, with not thanking the Pats after all that, and especially not even thinking. Okay, you don't want to. I heard a great caller on Boston Sports Radio, like kind of comparing it to you don't want to, you know, thank your ex-wife after an ugly divorce. Okay. But then to, to not thank your kids, that your fans that have been loving you and still admire you and still were rooting for you, no matter where you went after the fact, that was kind of bogus. Like at least I New England where I grew, was grown and raised and that's the town that I became a, a legend, like, not even a single sentence in his fucking entire thing. Like he reshares a post by Kraft and says, I love you, Pats Nation. I thought that was pretty bullshit. And, and maybe he has a big coming back ceremony or retirement and I hope so. I hope the guy doesn't retire a fucking buck, but like, I don't know. I, I'm pretty pissed off about that. I still am. It happened on what Monday, Tuesday. And I just, I've never, I haven't gotten over that yet. I still love the guy. still love everything he did, but it, it definitely leaves a weird, ugly, just like unsettling taste in the mouth. I will tell you this, just to kind of put a bow on this. Um, I was uh, John Elway, diehard John Elway fan for his entire career from the time I started watching football. So similar to to you with Brady and Brady played a little longer but it was probably we probably started watching them and I I became a huge Elway fan when I was like seven or eight and then watched him like for his entire career like he was football to me and when he finally retired and he did retire on top with back-to-back Super Bowls it didn't quite sink in right away and then when it did sink in I was just kind of lost for a little while like I didn't even know what like what's my relationship with football it really changed everything it took me i mean you know fantasy actually is the thing that kept me excited about football in that kind of uh direct aftermath of when he retired because i so much of my love for football was wrapped up in my love for john elway that um when he was gone it was just it was just weird uh the same thing happened to me with basketball when larry bird retired um and so i expect you're going to be wandering aimlessly a little for a little while uh, uh, trying to pick up the pieces now that Brady's gone. Uh, I salute the guy. Uh, amazing career. Made one of the best sports careers ever, if not the best sports career ever. I don't know. I'd have to really look into that. But hats off to the guy. Um, even though I pulled against him 90% of the time in his career, uh, what an amazing, amazing career he had. Yeah. So, I in my, my And obviously I, I am a biased opinion, but I do think it is the – greatest single sports career of all time just given how important 
the quarterback is to the sport and and how difficult it is to play at that level and especially as long as he did it I mean you don't even see kickers or punters last to 44 in the NFL never mind a quarterback to to do what he's done and still be doing it as well as he did on his way out seven Super Bowls in one of the hardest feats does he has more Super Bowls than any franchise like him personally has more Super Bowl rings than a single franchise in the entire NFL like to me, that's that's by far the greatest legacy of any sport, and I don't know that anybody could ever top that. We'll see. So I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody could top it in the future, um, just because things are changing all the time. I mean, you know, I'd, I'd be impressed, but I'm not like putting money on it. But um, yeah, it's probably the best sports career ever. I have to think about it a little more in depth. Um, yeah. If I can come up with a counter argument, maybe I'll, I'll shoot it your way uh, in a future show. Anyway, uh, yeah, have a have a good. Uh, Whatever, whatever you're doing next time, I'm, I'm sure you'll come up with something fun. <laughs> All right, let's talk about coaching real quick. We got three that we said we we're going to dive into, um, and you know, spend a little bit of time on. And uh, who do we want to hit first? Well, I, I'll go in the order of the impact I see these guys having on their franchises, and especially in terms of fantasy. I think Brian Dable with the Giants is going to have the biggest impact, just given what we've seen in the the Buffalo Bills these last couple of years. Uh, so let's just talk about Brian Dale real quick. Like, can he save Daniel Jones is the question that everyone's going to be asking. Is this guy even worth saving at this point, or do they just go after somebody new and, and start the whole thing fresh? And already Brian Dale has come out and said, I think it's Dable. That's how you say it. I should probably know the pronunciation before we start this. Dable, though. Uh, speaking of his history, though, it is interesting because it, all the glitz and glamour of these last couple seasons – with the Bills, have been great. I mean, he, he has been lighting the league on fire, first and first downs last year, uh, you know, first in points. Um, I'm looking at all the stats here. Like, I mean, there's really no arguing that. He's done an incredible job these last couple of years. More first downs than any team, second in percentage uh, of drives ending in a score, second total points, third in both passing yards and scores. I mean, the offense was on fire last year, carrying over from the year before. You look at what the guy did, though, leading into his time with Buffalo. It was pretty hideous. He did not rank well as a play caller. So uh, before that, in 2009 and 2010, he was with the uh, the Browns, with Eric Mangini. Those teams ranked 29th and 31st in terms of total points scored. Not good. Not, not a good offensive output there. Somehow he still parlayed that into another offensive coordinator job in uh, Miami, they just ranked 20th in points. So not really solid at all. And then he went to Kansas City. They ranked 32nd in points. So he was kind of shitty, uh, to be honest. As great of an offensive guru as he's been for the second and third most points uh, these last couple of years. And then even the first couple of years of the Bills, 30th and 23rd in total points. So it really took a long time for him to get going. So it's one of those things like, should we judge him on his recent history? How much does that outweigh what his past was leading into this? And in my opinion, we should judge him because his offense really did evolve significantly over these last couple of years in terms of four wide receiver sets, running the most pass plays in neutral, you know, 75% of the time running pass plays uh, in neutral scripts, just really playing into his team's strengths. I think the guy is uh, rightfully lauded like a strong offensive mind and potentially even guru after these last two years. I think he was instrumental in the development of Josh Allen. Uh, so I, I do think we should weigh those last couple of seasons more heavily than a, a checkered pass. But I do want to emphasize this guy was not perfect by any stretch of the imagination coming into these last couple of years. Um, so it, with all that being said, you know, let's look at Daniel Jones. What does he do? Well, not a lot, but he can actually sneakily run. 
uh, you know, average 6.2, 6.5, 4.8 yards per attempt, had like 80 yard touchdown just a couple seasons ago. Uh, not bad. I don't think he's going to be the next Josh Allen by any means on the ground, but any little boost of that, I mean, we've seen, uh, you don't need me to spout off all the rushing stats we've seen from Josh Allen, but just to emphasize it, 631, eight touchdowns, 510, nine touchdowns, 421, eight touchdowns, 763, six touchdowns. Okay, okay. But <laughs> rattling off Josh Allen's running stats when we're talking about a guy who's going to the Giants, like, is meaningless. That's like, uh, that's like, you know, the assistant coach of, you know, the Bulls in the 90s goes somewhere and then you rattle off Michael Jordan's stats. It's like, okay, but that's not where he's coaching anymore. He's not coaching Josh Allen. He's coaching Daniel Jones. No, like, but what I, mean, I, I get that, of course. It's it, like, And then we'll talk about Nathaniel Hackett. Like Devontae Adams just had two of the most insane seasons we've yep. ever seen. They don't have a Devontae Adams. He's the best receiver. Like, I right. guess that's kind of a preface to the whole conversation of coaches is like, we can talk about what these players have done in the past, but any good coach is molding to his ability. Like it's never going to be a, a – you know, apples and apples every single time. It's a, a direct translation, but he might call more running plays in general, just yeah. like 20 more run plays for Daniel Jones. That goes a long way for a quarterback. That's only what I'm saying. He's not going to run for 760 yards. He's not going to score eight no. touchdowns on the ground. That's not happening. But if he gets to 405 compared to, you know, 250 and two, that's a huge leap for a quarterback. In yeah, my that's opinion. true. I have a very hard time. You know, now I'm going to come off as extreme. I, you know, I'm a glass half empty guy anyway, but I'm going to come off like that even more right now, which is just like I have a really hard time believing Brian Dable or Dable or however we pronounce this guy's name, which we should have researched before the show, but we didn't. Um, I, I have a really day ball. That's what we're, that's what we're going with. And I mean, the personnel in the Giants is pretty bad, and yeah. I just have a really hard time imagining this guy is going to come in and fix this stuff and make the giants like a competitive, respectable team, unless there's just an influx of talent that comes in with them. I don't know. I mean, I look the coach is important. You got to have players. Yeah. Like what coaches win without players? Maybe Brian Flores, but we see where right. that got him. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. He did their <laughs> job over anybody we're talking about right yeah, now. Yeah, I'd, I'd way rather have him than any of these guys. 100%. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. The giants are, in the rare kind of like group of teams. And there's a few of them. I wonder if you have some teams like this too, where I'm just not going to believe it until I see it with them. I think they're that bad. I think that their organization, the jets, I feel the same way about them. The Jaguars, I feel the same way about them. Uh, there might be one or two more, but I just, I, I'm not going to believe that they're good until I actually see them turn it around. I don't care who they pick up on the coaching end. I'm assuming this is like a four and, 13, 5, and 12 team. What do you think? What I was going to end up eventually leading my whole point to is I think Daniel Jones sucks. I don't think (laughs) he's terrible. I don't think there's any coach that's going to be good enough to save him. And I I don't think they're going to fault Dayball if he doesn't turn this around. His receivers aren't good either, to be fair. The thing is, is you look at Josh Allen's first couple years in, in Buffalo, he looked like shit too. He, I mean, he had some glimpses, certainly more hope was provided by Josh Allen his first two years than what we've seen from Daniel Jones so far. And, and I, again, I don't think it's going to end up working out for Daniel Jones. I'm not sitting here saying Daniel Jones is suddenly my number one target in fantasy, but he's not going to have much of an excuse because Joe Judge, I mean, the guy was fucking lining up and QB sneaking on third and 15 on his own yard line. Like that was 
it, that was one of the worst pitching. plays I've ever seen um, in my life. I do think David, like, you know, this is going to be a guy that we've seen lead the second most explosive offense in the league that can call plays to his players' Good. strengths. He said, you know, you already called Daniel Jones and said, what was your favorite things that you did at Duke? We're going back to basics, your, your favorite three things you did. And, yes, it, it seems obvious. That's what every coach should do. It's just Yeah, nice but not everyone does do that. Not everyone does. Not Joe Judge didn't do that, you know. No, a just, ton of people. Look, I believe this guy's going to be better than plenty of head coaches in the NFL. I really do. I right. just, I just, I'm tempering my expectations. I'm not expecting big things from really anybody in this offense. As am I, because again, I think it comes down to the fact that I don't think Daniel Jones is good. I don't think he's even worth saving. I'd almost rather them kick Daniel Jones to the curb and start fresh and give Dayball like a new guy. But he said, I love him. I want to go with it. He's also got right. Mike Kafka coming in to QB coach. He's been Pat Mahomes' QB coach the last four years. Obviously, I'm not Roll saying off Pat Mahomes now he's stats. <laughs> Come on. Like, I'm not comparing those two. I'm not saying he's gonna suddenly have a, a resurrection like Pat Mahomes has, but he's surrounded by the right minds and the right coaches. If right. Daniel Jones has any type of hope, it would be these coaches have. If he has any type of talent, these are the guys that are gonna squeeze it from him. Again, I don't think he does. I think he's going to suck and it's not gonna work out, but this is the best setup, and I, and I do disagree. I think his receivers really aren't that bad. Galladay, really? yes, he had a horrible year, but terrible. just a few seasons ago, he was an alpha with the Detroit fucking Lions. Sterling Shepard's a great slot receiver, in my opinion, a very solid chain mover, and we saw Kadarius Tony have really solid glimpses, 189-yard games. Yeah, they could probably stand okay. to add another playmaker, but you stir in Saquon Barkley, who we're going to talk about next. I think we just move on to him now. We, we will, I don't think we the will. weapons cabinet is that Listen. bad. But yes. before, like, because I, I find arguments like this even more interesting than the coaching one, which is like, okay, we talk about the the Giants wide receivers. You're saying they're they're pretty good. And and you listed off three guys with, that do have talent. You're right about that. What receiving cores are they better than? The Lions, for one. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, although, I mean, would you rather would you rather Bears. have a, would you rather have Amon uh, Amon Ross St. Brown than any of those receivers? Ah. Uh. I probably That's would. up for debate. I mean, St. Brown certainly showed more at the end of the year than any of those guys did, but I, I don't think so. I mean, Galladay, like, I don't know. Galladay? What did Galladay? was terrible. Horrendous. He didn't score a touchdown after getting right, paid like, $20 million, yeah. like. I mean, they're better than the Bears wide receivers. I'll give you that. Um, I'd have to pull up a list of teams. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, I but I'm just, I'm just saying there's not that many teams that. Have, no, I think worse receiving cores than that. Probably, and again, the receivers won't matter at the end of the day. It's a quarterback. Eagles, matter. And Eagles, yeah, Eagles, horrendous. Yep. So yeah, I bet you we pulled up a list. There's like I, I bet you Eight we could 10, go ten maybe. teams that are the Giants had better receivers, and which again is a we should do that. By the that should that should be a game that we play on the show. We just say like over <laughs> under. You know, you have to go back and forth and name a number of teams, and then you're like, I think I can name ten teams that have worse receivers than the Giants. And I'll be like, yeah. name those teams. Name and them then now. To, then you have to, I'd have to pull up the list of teams, but I like that. It's a okay. good concept. Right. Uh, but again, I don't think Daniel Jones is going to end up proving worth saving. No. I'm just wanted to highlight that these are the guys, if he's going to be saved, these are the guys to do it. I think Dayball, Mike Kafka, like those are the guys you want around you. I do think he needs a better line. I'd love to see them aggress that very aggressively this year. And we'll see what they do. Certainly new GM is not going to hurt either. <laughs> Getting Gettleman the hell out of there as right. well. How will Saquon fare? That, I think that's another fair question. And if his offense takes even a mild step forward and gives him more scoring opportunities, I could see it going really well. And, and yes, the Bills, you know, we look at Josh Allen and it should be, okay, that's the highlight here, right? And, and look at those backfields of the Bills and 
they were atrocious. Well, we talked about, you know, obviously Singletary and the way he ended the year. The number two running back in fantasy from week 10 on was absolutely going berserk. And that was nice to see. But you go back even further, even in the shitty years of Brian Dable, uh, we had the biggest uh, breakout guy of all time. There's one running back who had one good year and did nothing else after. And it was under Brian Dable. Could you guess who it is? What was it? was the with team? the Browns. I'll give you that Payton, hint. Peyton Hillis. Yeah, Peyton Hillis. Exactly. Yeah. Madden cover boy. That was under Brian Dayball. So, you know, that that's encouraging that he used a workhorse in that season. Then he goes on over to Miami. And Reggie Bush had a, his only 1,000-yard rushing season under Brian Dayball. Six touchdowns in addition to another 300 yards through the air. Solid usage. Right after that, Jamal Charles, 1,500 yards. On the ground, 230 receiving yards. And again, like, it's Jamal Charles. He's going to succeed under anybody. I get that. But like Peyton Hills, Reggie Bush with one of his career high seasons, and Jamal Charles, he did use running backs to a a pretty solid level and certainly as pass catchers. So I do think that's a a reason to be a little bit optimistic no matter how this all goes. Those were shitty offenses that, again, 32nd, 29th, and 31st in points. And running backs all had top 12 running back seasons inside that offense fantasy-wise. I do think there's reason to be optimistic. Should Saquon stay healthy? A big if, because he hasn't stayed healthy in four straight years. But I, I, we saw a little bit of juice towards the end of the season. I think Saquon could fare well in this offense. We will see. Do you think I'm nuts? Are you uh, done with Saquon completely? Yeah, I've, I've been done with Saquon. I've, I've been done with him for two years, at least. <laughs> I but. think he's going to be, no matter what happens here, I do think Saquon, <laughs> I have a lot of hope. Again, Peyton Hillis. Peyton Hills can fucking succeed in this offense. You're telling me Saquon can't succeed in this offense? It's apples and oranges. I mean, it's like it's completely pers- different personnel. I don't know why the yeah, hell Peyton sh- Hillis had a good yeah, season. Colt McCoy at quarterback. I mean, no, Daniel Jones isn't worse than his backup is Colt McCoy, actually, now that you think about right. it. I mean, you know, they actually. <laughs> Maybe right, they turned it over. I, don't know. Look, I think Saquon Barkley is one of the most talented running backs I've ever seen in my life. Okay. Like, and I'm still like, I, I have zero faith. I mean, this is this is just a me repeating that I will not believe anything positive about the Giants until I see it with my own eyes repeatedly. Until then, I don't give a shit. Like, I'm just like, I'm not, you will not get me to say like, yeah, I think that the Giants are going to have this explosive offense. I mean, Barkley, you know, who knows if he can even stay healthy. But like that guy, I mean, you know, that was just like, he had no chance last year. He had no chance the year before. Like, we'll see if, if, if something changes. Obviously, he's talented. But, I mean, the shelf life of a running back is not very long. And so we'll see what happens. I don't know. I, that's what I'm saying, though. I think Dable gives him a chance. If he gave Peyton fucking Hillis a chance, I think Saquon Barkley is going to be in the best situation he's been in since he had Pat Shermer when he was a rookie and had a ridiculous season. Uh, you know, 78 targets went to Hillis. I could see another 100-plus target season coming for Saquon, which has been a long time. He deserves it. I think he'll use Saquon. As, this is a guy that plays to his team's strengths, and if you have any eyeballs, you know Saquon is the team, the player you need to build this offense around. Last but not least, you know, is there a Diggs here? We obviously no. saw Diggs. No, I, I agree. There's no Diggs here as of right now. I don't think Galladay. I think Galladay is the biggest, fakest alpha of all time. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, just oh, yeah. You that one or two mirage seasons where – the more I think about it, I think Matthew Stafford just makes fantasy monsters. I think that's part of it. Like, obviously, Calvin Johnson and then Cooper Cup both set records with Matthew Stafford. But he's that good that even Kenny Galladay, who's the fakest alpha of all time, had a wide receiver one season. I think We, should, we should also do a show later talking about the fakest alphas of all time. 
Yeah. <laughs> Kenny Golly might be the number he's one. He's on the he's at least on the list. He's top five for sure. Uh Diggs is a clear alpha. I don't think this team has a clear alpha right now. Uh, but a Cole Beasley, you know, 967 and five touchdowns, maybe Shepard, who's he had it leading up to last year, six straight games, the top 20 wide receiver, and then obviously the injuries and all that caught up. I think Kadarius Tony, such an explosive threat. You also look though, then it's like Gabe Davis is such an explosive threat, but it took half the year for him to get a broke, you know, break out. And it took, you know, Emmanuel Sanders injury for him to break out. Is Dable like that great at recognizing what he has and putting him on the field? I don't know. It's still a mixed bag for me. I do think it's certainly more hopeful than Joe judge. Like this is a, a, a yeah, I agree. one I agree. percent upgrade. I don't know. At the end of the day, it really all hinges on the quarterback. Saquon could succeed no matter what, but if Daniel Jones doesn't take a step forward, these receivers won't matter anyways. It will remind me like, with Josh Allen's early years when he was sucking, Zay Jones had like 642 yards and seven touchdowns. Like that's the kind of stats I'm expecting from these receivers. So I'm not going in on the receivers yet. I do think Daniel Jones is like a last round flyer, just in the off chance that maybe he runs a bit more. But I do think Saquon, this does bump him up probably five or six spots on my overall big board because I think this offense, even if it's not a huge offensive explosion, will be 100% better than what it was last year because it has nowhere to go but drastically up. And Dayball is a, a proven mind, especially these last couple of years. I'm, I'm very intrigued to see what he does. All right. We're half an hour into this podcast. I said to my wife, I was like, oh, we're just doing like two or three coaches. This is going to be fast. It's yeah. like half, an hour. <laughs> half an hour in. Like, this is going to end up being like the longest podcast. Well, we spent, we ended up talking about Brady for like 15 minutes. Yeah, it was so. like 10 minutes. We just did 20 on the Giants coach. I'm just, I'm just putting that out there. Like, you know, Dable, you know, uh, he should, uh, you know, give us a tweet or something like that because that's more time than anybody's (laughs) going to talk about you uh, outside of New York all year. All right. What's the next team we're going to hit? What's it? Your Broncos, the the Denver Broncos. Okay. But we're going to, we're going to, but we're going to preface this by saying pieces are in motion right now. Uh, We don't know who's going to be on the Broncos next year. You know, uh, the the cap as far as what we think Nathaniel Hackett is going to do in Denver is going to be drastically different with the personnel he has now, which is not bad, by the way. Um, or if he had Aaron, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams all of a sudden thrown in, or either one of them or both of them thrown in, obviously the, the ceiling changes quite a bit. So uh, a lot of stuff up in the air. Hackett has, he's been around, he's a quarterback's guy. I mean, basically he's, he's, you know, been in charge of a lot of uh, pretty well-known and some lesser-known quarterbacks. Uh, one of my favorites that he really helped rise to prominence was Blake Bortles. Exactly. Um, guy had some of his best seasons. Um, well, not some of his, his best only seasons. He, did, he, had his, he had his only good football <laughs> under this guy is really what I should be saying. Um, and then last three years, he's been obviously with the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. I know Rodgers – does not get it done often when he needs to. You seen Rodgers touchdowns and interceptions the last three years? You have you oh, yeah. looked at that? 111 touchdowns, 13 picks. Incredible. That's ridiculous, man. That's like Incredible. 37 and four average. Yeah. Over three years. I'm not gonna give Hackett all the credit for that, but I mean no, like no. it's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> and that's so what I wanted to talk about him, it, you kind of hinted at it. Rogers was going to succeed with whoever's calling the plays. It doesn't, I don't think Hackett, one was even calling the plays. So I, I don't want to put too much stock in the last three years with the Packers. Of course, you probably learned things from Rogers and learned things from LaFleur, who I do think is a very solid coach. 
that never hurts, but he wasn't calling the play. So I'm not looking at Rogers last two MVP campaigns. Like Nathaniel Hackett has led the charge. No, I, I don't expect <laughs> Rattle that. off Rogers stats. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, he had a Jaguars team with Blake Bortles that ranked fifth in the NFL in points like that. And he was the play caller because Doug Marone was the, the head coach. So Hackett had everything to do with that offense. That's impressive in its own self. He had a couple solid seasons with Bortles, 3,905 uh, 3, yards, 23 TDs. That's not bad from Blake Bortles. Uh, and that, you know, before the gaudy passing stats were big, we had Kyle Orton in 12 games go 3,018 and 18 touchdowns. He was on pace Kyle for Orton. Yeah, remember him? I mean, I do. I don't think he got enough credit. He was actually a pretty solid, just he's kind of like Ryan Fitzpatrick, in my opinion. Like when he was out there, he's going to give you a game every single time. He never really ended up winning anything too crazy. And you never were like too scared of him, but you always knew you had to fight when you were facing Kyle Orton. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he, that was after you game. Might be, you might be romanticizing Kyle Orton just a little bit. I liked Kyle Orton. I, I thought him, Brandon Lloyd, they had like a nice, interesting connection for a while, wherever he went. Um, but he had a solid season, you know, 18 touchdowns and, and 3,018 yards in just 12 games. So over 4,025 pace there. So with Orton and Bortles having solid seasons, like the guy knows how to coordinate pretty solid passing attacks. Uh, so I do think this is an offense, you know, relies on play action, a lot of deep shots, and then, you know, attacking underneath after you've established those, you think of all the chunk plays we see from Rogers to Adams, they, they really like to get those big 20, 25 yard plays uh, and even bigger plays than that by really stretching you out and using that play action to absolute perfection. So I do think it will be a solid passing attack for whoever does enter it. Maybe God forsake, maybe Rogers does go there. Obviously that's going to be a solid offense. If Rogers is there, no matter where he goes, but especially if he is aligned with his coordinator, I don't think they're starting quarterback. I don't think it's going to be Bridgewater. I don't think it's going to be Locke. So whoever it is, it's going to be intriguing nonetheless. Uh, so I think this is a, a good spot for a quarterback. If he can milk solid seasons out of Orton and Bortles, I do think Hackett's going to set whoever is his signal caller up for success. I did uh, text you earlier. Did you ever figure out why you should know Nathaniel Hackett? It's going to piss well, you off when I remind you of it. So there are two possible things that I thought you might be referring to. One is just his association with Blake Boyles. That, and, yes. And the other one, I feel like he was maybe involved in that uh, CJ Spiller uh, run until you puke scheme. That came out of his mouth. <laughs> We're going to feed CJ Spiller the ball until he pukes. And suddenly Matt takes him second overall <laughs> and he busts so, completely. <laughs> so that, that draft, I remember I, I really wanted Spiller because, and, and I remember I could have taken Jamal Charles and this is like peak Jacha. Remember how, how pissed Jimmy used to get when we'd call him Jacha? It just really, oh, bothered, it. It really bothered him for some reason. I love it. Um, it was peak Jacha. And I was I had three teams and I had already taken Charles on my other two teams. And I was like, I gotta spread it around a little bit. I can't take Charles. And I was like, <laughs> I believe in Speller. And it was, you know, just a terrible decision. I may have won that league anyway, actually, even despite CJ Spiller, because that was also the year I took Josh Gordon. Um, no, man, I think Manny, I think Manny won that year because oh, really? I he knocked me out because he had Jacha who had four touchdowns against the. You might be right Rangers. about that. You might be right about that actually, but I yeah. do think I, I think I got uh, Josh Gordon and he. If you had Jamal Charles, you did have Josh Gordon. I remember that league uh, yeah. that year. But uh, if you had Jamal Charles, you would have won it. Oh, I, I would have won easily, right? But you instead, I instead I had CJ Spiller, right? <laughs> but yeah, right. CJ Spiller totally puked, and he just puked right on himself. 
to right, start. Right, he just game. vomited like four carries into the first game. And that was it. <laughs> he puked early and then got pulled out quite often. Uh, right. So speaking of that, like that makes it seem like doom for Javante Williams, right? No. So but no, uh, it actually is a pretty solid track record for Hackett and his running backs, especially as receivers. So there's a, there's a, a plus and a minus to Hackett with his running game. Um, and one, Javante Williams, I think, is scheme transcendent. He's going to be great no matter what happens, and especially if uh, Melvin Gordon leaves. The concern, let's start with the negatives, get those out of the way, is Hackett does typically run a committee. Uh, you know, whether it was Fred Jackson and your, your puke man, C.J. Spiller, Fred Jackson and, and Anthony Dixon, then Yeldon and Ivory. Fournette was the one workhorse he had, 268 uh, carries and, and 36 catches that one year with the Jags. But he went back to a committee because Fournette got hurt and just kind of sucked. Then we saw Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, like Jones, yes, a top 10 running back or top five running back for two of those three seasons, but he still was involved and intermixed in a committee. So I don't think we're going to see like 400 touch Javante Williams anytime soon. But that being said, Hackett has loved using his running backs in the passing game. Uh, In six of his eight seasons calling plays or being the offensive coordinator, six of them, his running backs have ranked top 10 in targets uh, and target share. There's only been two seasons where they haven't been up there. All of them have been over 100 targets to the running back position, multiple times over 133 targets to the running back position. So he he can kind of emerge as that third down back, that guy uh, that, that had the situation on lock last year. By the end of the season, he is a solid pass catcher. I know in college you kind of split time with Michael Carter, who's also a great, probably even a better pass catcher. But Javante Williams is going to see some targets, and we saw what he can do when he gets in space uh, certainly when he, when he gets in any type of situation with breaking contact and whatnot, but especially when he's in space, uh, 43 catches on 53 targets last year, three touchdowns. I mean, the guy is a great receiver and deadly in that role. And I do think Hackett is going to pepper him with looks. So I really like what this hire does for Javante Williams. Now, obviously, is there a Javante Adams endeavor? No, we know that. Uh, but and again, I, I do want to kind of de-emphasize those three seasons because it was LaFour calling the plays. Yes, he was the offensive coordinator, Hackett, in name, but it was really LaFleur calling plays. It was really Rodgers probably calling the plays at the end of the day. So I don't want to overemphasize it, but we did just see two historic seasons from Devontae Adams, uh, just an absolute smattering and peppering of targets there with, uh, what was it last year? I'm oh, Hold on, I'm pulling it up right here. 169 um, targets. Yeah, 123 t- catches, 1,553 yards, 11 touchdowns. In only 14 games, 18 touchdowns, 1,374 yards, and 115 on 149 targets. I mean, insane usage for the alpha wide receiver one. I don't think either Judy or Sutton are even close in the same stratosphere, in the same conversation no. as Adams. But let's say Rodgers goes there and Adams doesn't follow. I wouldn't be shocked if one of those guys – my money would probably be on Sutton. I think everybody loves Judy. Uh, I don't know that Judy hasn't really shown anything through his two seasons so far. Like he'll have these couple of routes that you can cut the highlight clip. Like, damn, he just broke that dude's ankles. And that was the smoothest thing. And it's like, damn, he should be just wide open in every play. Right. But he, he isn't, he, I don't know. I think Judy's one of the more overrated players in the league, to be honest uh, right now. That being said, I, I think Sutton would kind of emerge as the, the Adams like player if it ends up being Rodgers there and all that stuff. A lot of ifs. I don't think there is an Adams by any means. And maybe Adams and Rodgers have already talked. We're going to go together wherever we go. So maybe they both end up there. And then you do have a Devonta Adams and Denver. I think it would just be wheels up. Same thing we've seen all through the the, the career of these two. 
Um, but at the end of the day, we, other than the, the Adam seasons, we haven't really had too many target hogs. In fact, we don't have any other thousand yard receivers under uh, Nathaniel Hackett, other than Devonte Adams, the best receiver, one of the best receivers of all time. And certainly the best receiver in the game right now, in my opinion. So you think so? I was just going to, how many people do you think are in the, are in the same category as Adams? I don't think he's the best receiver in the NFL. I would say uh, there's not too many in my opinion. I mean, because no, I, th- I think there's like four or five guys. There's like obviously like Tyree Kill, such a game wrecker and game breaker. Uh, you know, I don't know who who do you put in that conversation? Cooper Cup. I mean, yeah, Cooper Cup. Like, uh, sure. and I would put Debo and um, maybe Jamar Chase. Although I, I need to see a little more consistency. But I think Chase is actually the, the one those are like. those are the five guys that I think are the best five wide receivers in in the NFL. <laughs> Justin Jefferson, I think, is Justin eight, Jefferson eight, might yeah. be. Uh, on the end of that pile too, but he's, I mean, you know, right like, in there. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's hard for me to say anybody's better than Cooper. I Cup. think Jamar Chase just because just because like Cooper Cup is open by six yards every single time he goes out, even if the other team knows he's getting the ball and are like yeah. double tripling team, he's still wide open. Doesn't matter, and so you got to like at least throw some respect that way. And I love um, watching Cooper Cup like your whole linebackers like you know, as much oh, as yeah. like, after the catch and deep everything the guy does is great but like the fact that he'll just run in blindside linebackers fucking yeah. love it like oh he's that's, great that would be my favorite so i would put i put him Devonte, uh in no particular order debo samuel jamar chase uh jefferson maybe in that same group and uh tyree kill i mean those those are the guys debo is an interesting name because he's more like a a, just an offensive weapon, right? Because he's in the backfield and like yeah. that. Like he's as a pure wide receiver, he's obviously dangerous and deadly. But like, I mean, where did he finish in fantasy wide receiving uh, points? Right. Uh, where did he finish? He was like third. If you took away his rushing stats, I mean, he was third in fantasy. But if you took away the rushing stats, right, right, that's true. That's not all. It's not all receiving. You're right. It's not well, all. Maybe, maybe Debo doesn't belong as high as him. I, I think but. Jefferson Chase, like some of those names you tossed out there, above Debo as a pure just receiver as a weapon. Obviously, Debo. Debo might be my favorite fucking player in the league at this point. The way he just he's so fun ball. to watch. I, I, I'm definitely trying to draft that guy in all my. Lives. I know, I know. I told, I said, I think I tweeted a, a couple of weeks ago. Like Debo deserves first round consideration, and people are like, oh yeah. yeah. No, you're not no, an idiot. Are you kidding me? No, Debo is unbelievable. Uh, I, I, we got off track here. Either way, none of those guys, Judy, Sutton, they're not in that conversation. They never will be in that conversation. So, no, there's not a Devontae Adams in Denver. But if Rodgers does go there, one of those guys in my pick would be Sutton, especially another year removed from the ACL injury. I could see Sutton having a crazy year. I think everybody would go all in on Judy. I would probably be in on Sutton. I've always kind of been more of a Sutton guy than a uh, – than a Judy guy myself. So uh, either way, Hackett, just kind of like sum it all up. Obviously, he's been around some great minds, some great quarterbacks, and have great success even when he's not with good guys like Bortles. You know, milk the best possible season out of some of these guys uh, and really does like using his running backs in creative ways. So I think it's going to be a boon for Javante Williams. I think whoever is that quarterback is going to be set up for some quality success. And they do have, even though I just kind of shit on Judy and, and Sutton, those are two pretty – that's a pretty solid tandem compared to a lot of teams in the league. So whoever is throwing them the rock, I do think is going to have a very solid setup between Hackett, between these weapons. I'm very intrigued to see what the Broncos do at quarterback because this offense could take it to an, a, another level this year. I'm really excited to see. All right. Do we got anything to say about the Bears? So, yeah, just to kind of cross one last team off this list of – so we got Matt uh, Eberfellis, however you say it, from the, uh, the Colts. 
which I think is a, a solid hire, a good defensive-minded guy. You know, the team led the, the league in defensive turnovers. I like the hire for the Bears. Other than the fact that you have this young quarterback that you really need to groom and and get ready at Justin Fields, I thought they were going to go the offensive uh, type of route to have that happen. They didn't. But I actually don't hate who they went with, which is Luke Getze, the Packers quarterback coach. We just talked about these Packers. Uh, he did a, obviously a great job with – with Rodgers, and obviously, again, we keep mentioning Rodgers had these great years. Rodgers was going to have good years no matter who was there, but there was a little bit of a dip before LaFleur uh, where he was having a couple dud seasons, and then they bring in Getze these last two years where he had the MVP quality seasons, uh, and he just lit it up. And I'm not saying Getze is responsible for Rodgers blowing up, but Rodgers spoke glowingly of him. He's very well-regarded in quarterbacks, uh, just in NFL circles as a, a kind of a quote-unquote QB whisperer. The only time he's called plays, though, was at the collegiate level, Mississippi State in 2018. It, so we don't really have much of a track record to go off of, but what we do have there was one of the top rushing offenses in the entire uh, collegiate. They averaged nearly 230 rush yards per game, and a lot of that came from their quarterback. I don't even know who he is. His name's Nick Fitzgerald. I don't know a thing about him. He passed for 1,767 yards and 16 touchdowns. Not very good, but he also ran for 1,100 yards, 1,121 yards, and 13 touchdowns on the ground. They designed a ton of unique concepts, bootlegs, all that stuff that is what you want to see from Justin Fields. What we saw down the stretch when he was a top 10 quarterback in fantasy for the last five weeks, when they finally decided this guy is mobile, let's get him moving outside the pocket, let's give him some designed runs, that's what we've seen Luke Getze do with his mobile quarterbacks at the collegiate level. I don't know if he'll do it at the pros level. We can't just say it's apples and it's automatically going to translate, but we've seen him do that before. I imagine that's part of why he was hired because he knows how to use mobile quarterbacks. We saw that get misused for half a year. When they finally did it the right way, we saw Justin Fields finally take off the way we thought he would all year. Uh, so I, I do think this is a good, solid hire for Justin Fields. They did like to attack it deep at Mississippi State. They didn't have a prolific passing offense at all, but they did do a lot of solid rollouts and then just zip the ball down the field. So good news for Darnell Mooney, potentially. In that sense, I, I really do like Mooney a lot. I think he is completely overlooked right now, especially with Robinson leaving. Not that Robinson did much, did nothing last year, but it's just a, a mouth that you're not going to have to worry about at all. Uh, so I think this is a very solid hire. For Justin Fields, I can't pretend to know much else more about this guy because he he doesn't have a play calling res resume in the NFL level at all. Uh, but I do think he's going to play into Justin Fields' strength, and that's why he was like as soon as uh, the Bears hired, like it was immediate. Like we want Gensey. Uh, a lot of teams were calling his name and trying to get them for the offensive coordinator. So he doesn't have a resume, but the the fact that he was as coveted as he was, and the Bears were like, we have to go get this guy no matter what, tells me they know he's going to play into Justin Fields' strength well. You remember when, uh, like, gosh, just we've been doing this podcast for a pretty long time. I don't mean this one specifically this week. I just mean the fantasy fullback dive. We've been doing this together for like five years at least at this point. Remember we had the guy on, uh, he was the big Oregon Ducks uh, guy. <laughs> what was his name? And, and uh, we, we, we had, we yeah, Fisher. We had him on twice because the first time the recording messed up. So we actually had to do the pod, the entire podcast again. So we actually ran that shit back. And uh, I just remember, I mean, he, he was very knowledgeable about Oregon and stuff like that. But I remember the big thing we were pumping up was Matt Nagy. Yep. <laughs> and we were just like, oh, this guy, this guy's going to blow your mind. <laughs> it, was Nagy, it was even deeper than that. It was like the, like the quarterback's coach that Nagy brought in was the, 
right. the Ducks' head coach. Right. So no, it wasn't right, even right. like just Nagy. <laughs> no, no, no. There was a lot to love about what was going to happen with the Bears in the next few years. Well, and um, you know what's crazy, Nat, is Mitch Trubisky <laughs> ended up winning 11 of his 14 starts. I know. Like, <laughs> like I honestly, yeah. I don't. Do you think, think he's got? Like, he's better than people have given him credit. I think Trubisky is like sneaky good, but I think Nagy had a really solid start when we did that big interview and stuff. It looked like we were kind of right because Nagy. Oh yeah, we were. Remember, we were like early on, he got coach of the year. He was coach yeah. of the year, and we're like, wow, you know, Charles Fisher really came through for our Charles podcast. Fisher. Yeah. That was who was that was Charles name, Fisher. Yeah. Chucky Fisher, over friend there. of the friend of the podcast, fishduck.com was the site. Yeah, fishduck, fishduck. Right. Yeah. yeah, oh man, Charles Fisher, good stuff, good yeah. old times. But I, I honestly don't think Trubisky has gotten a fair shake. You know what I'd like to see? What's that? Is Trubisky? I'm calling it now. He's a free agent this year. He's going to go to the Giants because he was with Dable last year on the Bills as their backup quarterback. He's going to go. He's going to beat out Daniel Jones for the starting job, and Trubisky's going to have himself a year. I'm calling it now. Okay. All right. Trubisky I'll, I'll is going to go to the Giants. Just... He's going to have a, a decent – a year – when I say a year, it's a, like pretty crowned in that sense. But he's going to be – I think he's going to be better than Daniel Jones. I don't think Trubisky's gotten a fair shake yet. I think he's going okay. to go with Dable, and he's going to end up kind of resurrecting himself with the Giants. Right. You so, heard it here first. But, Imagine before, that happens. I got a question for you before we get yeah. out of here. What do you think about what do you think about Jimmy G's future? I think it's a great talk. That's something I wanted to discuss. I mean, we can we can talk about it on another show because you talk about it. I don't think Trubisky's gotten a fair shake. He won X out of however many games. I mean, Jimmy G leaves plenty to be desired, but that dude wins football games. That's all he does. He really I, does. He wins football games, and it's like everyone talks about him like he's this joke. I'm like, hey, he's this joke that wins like 70% of the games he started <laughs> exactly. over like over like four years. It's not like a small sample size. No. Like the guy, yeah. the guy is a winner. So it'll be interesting to see because he has been with you know, obviously the Pats, and then with Shanahan, two of the higher regarded coaches, like yep. Belichick and, and Shanahan. So it will be interesting to see like if he goes, he will probably go and start somewhere. I mean, let's say he goes to the football team or the, the commanders, the commanders. As, as of what, two days ago, yeah. the commanders, commanders. He, goes, he goes to the commies. Uh, let's say, let's say he goes there. He's got some weapons. He's got an interest, like a, a head coach that doesn't have quite the track record there though. I mean, I think one, he, one I, of the worst owners also in, in sports. I, oh yeah. Just despicable human. Yeah. Um, I, I think Jimmy G, like you said, he's, I, I, it's so hard to quantify because it never really looks pretty. But at the, in that same breath, like he might throw for 180 yards, but when it's the clutch last couple drives of the the game, that's when they're coming, and that's when he's delivering the ball where it needs to go. He's overcoming whatever shitty throws he's made earlier in the game, and he just gets it done in the clutch time. And there is something to be said for that. It's unquantifiable this type of you know, quote unquote clutch gene, but Jimmy G has proven to have that. Like he typically, I guess. Coming off this last loss, I guess it's like not the right time to say he's a clutch. It's team. not. It's not the right time because like he had a lousy end of the game. But I mean, you know who else had a lousy end of the game? Uh, Mahomes had a really lousy end of the game. Do you see right. the discrepancy between his first half QBR and his second half? Right. Something like that it was like ninety five, and then like negative one in the second oh half, God. or something like yeah. that. It's like I know Mahomes and Jimmy G, not the same thing, but it's like yeah. I mean, what what do you? I, I, I kind of don't think it's anything bigger than, yeah, he just he didn't really finish the game well. Right, know? right. Stafford didn't start the game well. So, I don't know. Yeah, I, it, I, I think I like Jimmy G more than most people do. 
Where would you like to see him? I, I like Jimmy. Obviously, I like Jimmy G too. Where do you want to see him end up? I'd like to, I definitely want him to be a starter somewhere. Um, I mean, if they're not going to keep him in San Francisco, and to me, it's not a, a preordained thing that you would definitely want to get rid of him in San Francisco, although it does seem to be like that's where it's going. Um, he wants uh, to get out of there too. Well, if I he wants, then, then, report, then okay, right? then it's time. Then I guess I, may, I wouldn't mind seeing him go to like Pittsburgh. That could be interesting. That could be intriguing. Although that line, like, I, but yeah, yeah I, mean, I don't right. know. I mean, I'm just trying to think of teams that are not walking. Like, I don't want to see him go to Jacksonville or something like that. Or, I mean, not that no. he would. They, and he, they wouldn't, Trevor right. Lawrence. he wouldn't, but I mean, you know, I don't want him to go somewhere where it's like, Hey, here you go. This is the end of your career. Just because, like, yeah, go, go to the jets. Like, I don't want to see that happen. No, he wouldn't. Again, those are the guys. So these are the teams I could see making sense. Panthers, the commanders, the Broncos, if, if they don't go with Rodgers, the Texans, the Steelers, and the Buccaneers. They've all what kind if, of been linked to him, too. What if Seattle moved off Russell Wilson? I could see him maybe going there. Could go there, too. Yeah, that, that yeah. would be a really – he's been in that division for a long time now. That yeah. could be an intriguing fit if they do move on from Russ. So, I don't um, know. I, these are these are stories that I'm looking forward to discussing, obviously. It's a long offseason. Um, but those, that's one of the things I've been thinking about. I think whoever's the quarterback for all those teams I just rattled off again, Panthers, Commanders, Broncos, Texans, Steelers, Buccaneers, in addition to where does Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, like where do all those players fit in? Like that's obvious. Quarterback is, again, the, the only thing that really matters in the NFL. Let's be real. I, I shouldn't say the only thing, but you know what I mean. Like you don't no, have to I'm going to say it's the thing that everything starts from. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's like uh, the, you need other stuff, but it's like uh, it's like the foundation of everything kind of. Exactly. You don't have that. You really like it's we're not the the. I was talking about this with someone at work today, actually. Like, yeah, we used to have like the Dilfers, those random seasons, like Grex Grossman, where the defense could kind of lug somebody to the Super Bowl. But the way the, the penalties work nowadays, that just doesn't you can't you cannot win on the back of a defense anymore. I don't think I, I think you I have to have a, at least a, a Jimmy G level of quarterback to make it to a Super Bowl nowadays. Uh, so, yeah, right. it, it will be really intriguing to see what happens with all those teams. Again, the Panthers, Commanders, the Broncos, the Texans, Steelers, Bucks, Saints. I mean, you know, who's going to be their quarterback? Like, it will be very fascinating to see how this all ends up for sure. If you could have one quarterback for the next 10 years, who are you taking right now? Joe Burrow. Yeah, me too. I think to me, I thought you were going to say Mahomes and then I was going to counter with Burrow. I think Burrow's probably, I mean, I don't know, man. I, they're the same age, so it, it's, it's tough. funny it's, that my gut reaction without thinking was Burrow, and then I'm like, wait, what's Pat Mahomes, right? But I don't know, something about Burrow's nuts. Like <laughs> Burrow beat Mahomes twice this year. I know he did. It, it being down by multiple scores, and he beat him And twice. he's just he's just a cool character. I love him, the cigar. I know, man. You gotta love Joe Burrow. Yeah. Like that that's part of it, too, right? It's like if I could pick somebody I have to root for him, I'd rather I would, I would way Burrow. rather hang out with Burrow. I'd rather hang out with him. I want him to be my, yeah, I guess it's, but like sheer talent wise, Mahomes is the best player in the league. I know he, he yeah, probably, you know, turned it all, all that. So he wasn't his best finest hours last weekend. So in the, the pure football sense, Mahomes is the guy that if I want to win the next 10 years, I want to be Mahomes. But as a fan, who do I want to root for? Who do I think is not really that far off and clearly just knocked him off. Like Burrow is, is right there. I mean, the guy has nuts. 
Burrow seems like a really good hang. And also with Mahomes, you got you got the Jackson Mahomes and, oh, and, and yeah. Brit- Brittany Matthews. I don't I'm not a huge, huge fan baggage. of the right. worst of baggage. Right. So uh, and, and Burrow just, you know, he's just sitting there smoking his cigars and you know, just seems like a kind I of kind of a badass, game. right? Yeah. Had had probably the best college season anybody's ever had. Yep. Like, I don't know. He, he's he's the real I mean, and he's tough as shit too. Like I know. I mean, he had a, that terrible injury last year. He got the shit sack out of him last year and this year do you remember that game he like what it's like i don't know if he broke his thumb but like he or his pinky or something he did something really bad to his hand and it was like it it wasn't like it wasn't like he was just complaining it was like you could see it at like a right (laughs) angle and he's like on the sidelines just kind of gritting his teeth throwing the ball anyway it's like if that was aaron Rodgers, like that would have been like a three-page spread in the the sunday thing about like oh my finger hurts and then this guy's just he's hardcore man (laughs) i know i love it yeah I love him too. I really do too. I'm I'm pulling. It was tough. I hate to say this. I know we're not even on Super Bowl week yet. We'll be talking about. Week. I can't wait. Stafford a lot too. I love Cup. So it's like I, I really Stafford. don't mind whoever wins this game. And me I hate too. That. Like I, I hate that too. I, I, I genuinely. This is gonna make me sound like such a dipshit. I genuinely will be happy for whichever guy wins. I I, I really feel will. the same way and I hate saying that because how I, can I how could I really I don't have anything bad to say about either guy. No. I really I, like I want Stafford to have that form because he's just had such a a tough hand you know in Detroit for as long as he's been and we now talk about this coaching matter Super Bowl like it's fucking awesome for him but then it's Burrow's story. I if I had to pick one I'd rather see the Bengals when I think what about you? I mean, I, there's no way I can answer this question without hedging completely because um, my instinct is, I guess I'm pulling for the Rams. I mean, I had Stafford and I had um, um, Cup on my fantasy, fantasy team yeah. all year. So, I mean, I was pulling for these guys. Like, I'm like, uh, what is this? All po- oh, right, fantasy. That's what we do. Yes. Um, but I'm a huge Joe Burrow fan. I'm a huge Joe Burrow fan. I've right. been pulling for this guy ever since he's been in the league. I'm a big believer. I like everything about him. Love T. Higgins. Love Jamar Chase. Um Maybe just the fact that I don't like Joe Mixon maybe will make me uh, pull for the Rams just a tiny bit. Joe Mixon's your deciding factor. Well, I mean, there's there's nothing not to like about these teams. I mean, I really, I, know. I, I like, I really, I'm a big Von Miller fan. It, you know, it's got to be the most likable Super Bowl like of all time. There's always a team I don't want to see win, and I like, I, I yeah, guess it's I usually the Patriots. It's usually yeah, that team. It's usually the Patriots, right? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, or it's, I don't want to see Mahomes get another type of thing, and and he's not there this year. So it's, I yeah, I, like whether it's Stafford, whether it's Burrow, I don't know. I, I like them both. I, I hate to say that right. as a fan. No, I do too. We're gonna talk. We'll, we'll talk about this more uh, the next time we do a pod. Um, Absolutely. All right, we got a couple comments. Nine hundred nine orbit says my Saints want to speak with the enemy. Uh, <laughs> the, okay. I, I don't know why the enemy doesn't get more co- like every year. It's like why isn't Benny enemy getting interviews and he never does so something's up there maybe yeah. it is a fucking racist league i don't know but uh, maybe. Yeah, I, I mean you think, I, you think maybe I'm, it might be <laughs> if i'm you orbit i would love to see the enemy become your next coach because otherwise the saints are in a dog shit situation yeah dave uh, says wolf and truth in the house that's right maybe what up david good to see Toon you says tune in and live from the hospital with the newest wolf congratulations by the way having some complications but he's making moves and will be ready for the preseason I hope I hope they are minor complications too. Uh, I'm sorry there's any going on. I, I got a couple of those uh, little wolves myself, and so I know how uh, important that is and how much of your attention that's going to uh, require for you know the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah. um, but hope hopefully uh, 
you know, hopefully the little wolf is doing better and uh, be ready far before the preseason. I hope. Absolutely. To his best wishes, prayers up. Uh, hopefully congratulations indeed yeah, man. as well, but you know, cheers to a speedy recovery and everything that you're dealing with right now. And Chris Jason, Bill O'Brien to new England prayers. Is that official? Did he go there? Or are you saying, you I, I think he's, I think uh, judging by the emojis uh, that he's hoping that will happen. And I, as, as much shit as BOB gets as a, as just a sheer play caller and coach, I actually think he's not bad at all. I, I think Bill O'Brien what he did at Penn state and, and really with the Texans for a while there, like those offenses were solid when you now give him too much power and he's the GM and he's doing all types of crazy shit. Like that's when you don't want him at all, but as just an offensive coordinator, I'd love to see Bill O'Brien come back. Honestly, I am with you, CJ. All right. Good enough. And, and we did get a, 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 you know, we do have one Russian bot watching the show, which I guess means we're doing okay. Cause usually shows when nobody's watching, we don't get any Russian bots. No. So, thanks so for making it. Uh, thank you, Dickerson for Ford. We appreciate Dickerson it. Ford. That's, that's a great. That's a great that. name. That's a yeah. that's a good name for a character uh, in like a uh, movie or a screenplay. Dickerson, Dickerson Ford. Ford. It actually is a great name. I'm gonna screenshot that right now. Seriously, we're gonna use that. Thank you, Russian bot. That might be like um, the evil principal in my my TV show. Dickerson yeah, Dick, Ford. <laughs> Dickerson Ford. <laughs> All right, that's gonna do it, right? Yeah, I think that we were going to talk about shows we're watching and how we're surviving the no, offseason. We'll, 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 we hour, we, so we'll, we'll talk about it. that next time because yeah. uh, because we went an hour even without that. So <laughs> Your favorite thing, talking about random coaches for over an hour. <laughs> well, I don't know, talking to you is usually pretty entertaining, even if even if I don't care as much about the coaches. <laughs> it's fun. Cheers, guys. Well, we'll be writing these coaches up. We'll have another coaching carousel as, as some of these dominoes fall. In a couple of weeks, next week, we will be doing our Super Bowl spectacular prop bets. As always, me, the truth, CJ, maybe Jimbo Slice. We'll see whoever joins us uh, next week. So we're looking forward to that. Your favorite, you know, Super Bowl halftime show bets, all that good stuff. Uh, the deep analysis that only us degenerates will get into. So be here next Thursday and every Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern time. We will be live talking about football with you guys. It's good to see some regulars here. We're just doing it. Just say last year. I, I, I like that we're doing this because it's so easy in the off season. You just kind of fall out of touch and like, we'll get back together in July and, and yeah. it kind of makes sense. But I saw we had like over 300 views on our ranking show the other day. Like people are still talking and looking at fantasy stuff. So here we are, we're here yeah. and we love it. And we love that you guys are here. So thank remaining you. relevant. Thank you again so much. If you haven't already hit that thumbs up on your way out, if you're still somehow here, I imagine you probably already did that. And if you are still already here, you probably already subscribed. But if not, please consider doing so as well. Dickerson Ford, we wouldn't mind if you Dickerson sub. Ford, yeah, come on over. Uh, but thank you guys again so much. We really, really appreciate anyone tuned in at this psycho stage of the offseason. You guys are why we do what we do. So thanks again, Wolfpack. RoasterJournal.com is where we breed and feed fantasy wolves. And in that world full of fantasy sheep, guys, be the wolf. Later. Later. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. 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 Second effort, third effort, touchdown, oh!
football right there, folks.